0: The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. One Sabbath, He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to Him, Look! Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they, that they might accuse him. And He said to them, Man with the withered hand, come here. To destroy him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning to gather together to look into your word. Father, this is, we confess your words given to us from you. So, Father, this morning we pray that you would, by your grace and your Spirit's power, take it. Father, that you would use it, that you would bring understanding to it. God, you would help us be obedient to it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What we've seen over the last few weeks as we've walked through the book of Mark together that Jesus' ministry has received some some pushback against the religious leaders of their day. And that pushback escalates um, pretty, pretty highly in this text today. And it goes from them sort of questioning him and pushing back on him and his ministry all the way to them now plotting how to kill him. And I was struck this week at just how quickly, how quickly that has come in Jesus' ministry. Um, I don't know that I'd ever sort of put together that, I mean... This is not very far. He's still in Capernaum. This is not very far into his ministry. And the Jewish leaders of this day are already plotting how to kill him. Well, the controversy from this text centers around issues related to the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day. So if we're going to understand all that's going on here, then we have to understand um, the place and the role and the history of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest that began at the sundown, sunset on a Friday And lasted until the sun set on Saturday. The word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Shabbat, means to cease, or literally to to sit. It is to, we understand, to, to not work. It finds its origins as a creation ordinance. In Genesis chapter 2, we see in the creation story in verse 1 thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God (coughs) finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This idea of a Shabbat or a a ceasing, a sitting, comes from God himself in that, on the seventh day of creation, his creation was finished and God rested. God didn't rest because he was tired. God didn't rest because he needed to rest. But he rested because his work was finished. And he was pleased with his work. This serves as an example to creation. It serves as an example to those to whom he has created. That they are like him to rest on the seventh day. This is a creation Um, ordinance, something that God ordained from creation. There are a a couple of other creation ordinances. One is work. Work was a creation ordinance that God instituted work in creation. He made Adam, he made Eve, and he made them to work the the ground um, there. Work is a creation ordinance. Marriage and procreation are creation ordinances, And then right along with it is this idea of a Sabbath. Now it seems biblically that pretty quickly this day of rest came to also be a day of worship. And we see that in Genesis chapter four in verses three and four with Cain and Abel. Verse three, in the course of time or literally At the end of days, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel's offering. So it seems from the text that it was on the Sabbath day that Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord as worship. This idea of a day, one day a week on the the seventh day as being a day of rest, of a Sabbath, was codified as part of God's moral law in the Ten Commandments. So God made it abundantly clear to his people that the Sabbath day, the, the seventh day of the week, the day on which that God had rested, that we are to keep it holy. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This was put in as a part of God's moral law. Right up there, even even with thou shalt not kill, right? It's not that thou shalt not kill is a more important commandment or a greater commandment than to keep the Sabbath day as holy. These are both Equal in standing in God's moral law. And we saw this morning as we read through examples of God providing a way through the manna that the Sabbath day would be a different day and a day of rest, a day set aside to Him. Now, this is a very brief. Old Testament survey of the Sabbath day. Just so you can have an idea clearly of where this came from, how quickly it became a day of worship, how it was put into God's moral law to keep it holy. And it is very hard to overstate the significance of the Sabbath for the Jews in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day especially. It is very difficult to overstate the significance of the Sabbath day for them. Now, the Jews understood that on the Sabbath day, you could not work. You were to cease from work. But that raised a question. Well, what is work? What does it mean to work? What does it mean to work? If you can't work, and we should cease from working, what does it mean to, to work? Well, they came up with some answers to that question as to what is work. And they clarified for themselves what was not allowed on the Sabbath mostly and what was allowed on the Sabbath. Now, before we get into the way that they did this, I just want to remind you that this was from good intentions because wouldn't you agree that it is good for God's people to desire to keep God's law? If that's a good thing, right? So the Jews wanted to keep God's law. They wanted to keep God's moral law. And if God said to keep a Sabbath and make it holy, then we're going to find out, we're going to figure out how do we keep a Sabbath and make it holy. So this comes from good intentions, but they missed the whole point and purpose of God instituting a Sabbath. So the Jews have what is known as the Talmud. So they have the Old Testament, God's word, and then they have the Talmud, which is um, the historical oral uh, teachings from way back in time. And who knows how many volumes are in the Talmud. I mean, it is just volume after volume after volume after volume. And it is a comprehensive written record of the Jewish oral law and the commentary on it. Here's what I mean by the Jewish oral law. Remember, so they have the Old Testament, they have God's law, but where they felt it needed to be added to then the religious leaders would, would add to it and it would be authoritative, just as authoritative as God's word. And so throughout history, their, their oral traditions would be codified, put together in the Talmud. And they, they held it up right along with the scriptures. The Mishnah is the first Part of the Talmud. It is the oldest of the oral law from Jewish history. And in the Mishnah, they sought to clarify what it meant to work on the Sabbath day. And they gave 39 different prohibited activities that you could not do on the Sabbath. Here they are. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding, sheaving, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, and baking. So all that dealt with bread, food, all of that. You could not shear wool, you could not wash wool, you could not beat wool, you could not dye wool, you could not spin, you could not weave, you could not make two loops, you could not weave together two threads, you could not separate two threads so that then you would have to reattach two threads you could not tie something you could not untie something you could not sew stitches together you could not tear there was no trapping no slaughtering no flaying no tanning no scraping hides no marking hides no cutting hides to shape you could not write two or more letters you could not erase Two or more letters. Now, why one letter was okay? I don't know. That's not letters to, you know, you wrote a letter. No, that's A, B, well, not for them, but, you know, no yodes. There was no building, there was no demolishing, there was no extinguishing a fire, there was no kindling a fire. There was no putting the finishing touch on an object. There was no transporting an object between a private domain and a public domain. And for a distance of four cubits within the public domain. This just gives you an idea of the way that the Jews saw the Sabbath day. And what it meant for them to keep it holy. To keep it set apart. So they had taken what God had said, keep the Sabbath day holy, and cease from work. And they had added law upon 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 law throughout the generations. This is what they had done. This is how serious they had taken the Sabbath. And this is the background of the question that the Pharisees have. For Jesus. So Jesus is passing through a field, and his disciples are hungry, and they reach down and they pluck a piece of wheat. On the Sabbath day, verse 23, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Now remember, the first part of the prohibitions in the Mishnah had to do with eating, you could not harvest. Well, here are your guys. They're harvesting. Now, you know and I know full well there's a big difference between walking through a field and plucking a grain than there is a full-blown harvest. But for a, a, a Pharisee's heart, these are the same thing. So the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Where are they getting this, that this isn't lawful? They're getting it from their own authority. They're getting it from their own oral histories. So Jesus hears them and he says to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So he, he, he brings to them the story from 1 Samuel chapter 21, where David is not yet the king, but he is the, the promised king. He is the anointed king, but Saul is the king. And Saul is chasing David in an attempt to kill him. And so in his, in his running from David, in his, I mean from Saul, in his fleeing from David, he and his men, they are, they're hungry and they come to the house of God and he goes in and Ahimelech is the high priest. Now, you might have a question of why Jesus is Abathar and, and in the days of Abathar and... First Samuel twenty-one is the high priest, is Ahimelech. There's there's even a pretty f- famous person, author, who uses this text as his source of the unraveling of his faith. But there's a perfectly good explanation for it, and if you have some questions as to what it is, I'd love to talk to you about it. We don't have time this morning. But he comes to the high priest, David, and he says, Is there anything that is here for me to eat, for my, my people to eat? And the high priest says, The only thing we have is the bread of the present. So it's this bread that's set before God as an offering. And the only ones who can eat this bread are the, are the, the priests, the, the holy ones that have been consecrated before the Lord. And so his question to David is, you know, are your men clean? Are your men clean? Are you and your men clean? And according to Jewish tradition, they weren't. But this is David. And so guess what he did? He took it and he ate. The high priest gave it to him. And they gave it to his his. His men, this is David. This is the anointed king. And he and his men are hungry. And so Jesus asked them a question. You want to talk about what's lawful and what's not lawful? Do you remember 1 Samuel 21, David running from Saul enters into the house of God and it was not lawful for him to eat the bread, yet he ate the bread. It was not lawful for his men to eat the bread, but his men ate the bread. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, listen... There are some gray areas in the law, and that's okay. It's okay that there's some gray areas. Because a Jew would have said that David was lawful to eat of the bread because he's David. And here's Jesus' point I'm the greater David. I'm the greater David. And if it was lawful for David to eat the bread, and if it was lawful for David's men to eat the bread, it's lawful for me to eat the bread. And just because their traditions that they had set for themselves as binding to them, it did not mean that it was binding to Jesus. Because Jesus's authority is greater than theirs. Just because in the same way, David's authority was greater. Jesus' authority is greater because Jesus is the greater David. He is the king of kings. And it was okay... Because the high priest said, yes, take and eat. I, Jesus, am the greater high priest. I'm the greater high priest. And my authority is greater. And I can say, whether it's lawful or not, what you have to say as what's being lawful is not binding on me. My authority is greater. He's greater than both of these things. This this is what Jesus says in the parallel account in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what are not lawful on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, How he entered the house of God, and he ate the bread of the presence, Which was not lawful for him to eat, Nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law, How on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you... Something greater than the temple is here. What's greater than the temple to a Jew? Nothing. But Jesus says there's something greater than the temple. And it's me. I'm greater. I'm greater than the high priest. I'm greater than David. I'm greater than the temple. And my authority supersedes all of those. If you'd have known it, you'd have known what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus reminds them of the purpose of the Sabbath. Verse 27, back in Mark, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what does that mean? It means that the Sabbath was made for the good of man. God instituted the Sabbath for our good. And you guys have reversed it. You've taken it from being something good that was for our joy. And you've made it something else altogether. Now... Where do I get that God made the Sabbath for our good and for our joy? Well, that's seen in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day for the Lord, honorable. If you honor it, Going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or taking idly. So, if you take the Lord's Sabbath and you honor it, not in your own ways, but in God's ways, and you call it a delight, then You shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What's God saying through Isaiah? He's saying that I have instituted a Sabbath for you to take it, not according to your own ways, but to do with with it what God had intended. And that is to rest and to find your satisfaction in him. Then I will, through the Sabbath, fill you with joy. As you cease from working and you rest before the Lord and you honor him and you bring offerings to him and you worship him, then I will bless you. And you will find your delight in me. The Sabbath was made for delight. What have, the, what have the Jews done? They've taken it from delight to drudgery. The Sabbath was for rest and it was for freedom. Freedom. It was for the fulfillment of joy in what God had promised. And now they had made it a means of works. That's what's so remarkable about what the Pharisees and the Jews had done. In their effort to make sure that you didn't work on the Sabbath, they made it a means of works to earn forgiveness. They've done the exact opposite of what it was meant for. And Jesus knew what its purpose was. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, how does Jesus know that? Because, verse 28, so the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, what does that mean? That means, what Jesus is telling them is, hey guys, Here you stand trying to lecture me on the Sabbath. Meanwhile, I'm the one who rested in creation. You're telling the creator who instituted the Sabbath what to do. It's my Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. So that's the first incident. Picking grains as they walk through the field. Then comes the second incident in chapter 3. And again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. I mean, these are some nice church people, aren't they? I mean, just watching. I'm just watching you because you're going to mess up, and I can't wait for you to mess up because I'm going to nail you to the carpet for it, right? You think they were Baptists? They might have been. They're looking for something. (laughs) They're looking for something. And of all the things they're looking to see, they're looking to see, is Jesus going to heal this man on the Sabbath? Now, that sounds crazy to me, and that sounds crazy to you, but it wasn't crazy to them. They had laws concerning healings on the Sabbath. And you could heal on the Sabbath, but only... If you are healing somebody from a life threatening situation. So, if if their life is on the line, then you can heal them on the Sabbath. But if it's just a withered hand, you come back tomorrow. There's a similar story in Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. So the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. Do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead him away to water? and not not this woman a daughter of Abraham whom Satan bound for 18 years shouldn't she be loose from the bond on the sabbath you'll untie your donkey but you won't let me untie her this daughter of Abraham you won't let me do that and he said these things as he said these things his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him so here he is in the synagogue on a sabbath and a man with a withered hand comes And they are watching to see what Jesus is going to do. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to him, it is, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to kill? But they were silent. They would have nothing to say to him. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, And said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him and how to destroy him. Jesus, knowing the intentions of their heart and the hardness of it, says what is lawful. You want to talk about the law. What is lawful? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm? Which one is it? To do good or to do harm? You see, here's the thing. The the Pharisees had one goal on the Sabbath. One goal. And do you know what it was? Not to do things. That was their goal. Not to do things. Jesus had one goal, and it was to do good. And Jesus is saying which one of these goals is better? To do good or to do nothing? To do good or to do harm? And they are humiliated by Jesus and they are angered and they are seeking now to kill him. Two stories, both revolving around the Sabbath, both illustrative of the hardness of the Pharisee's heart and Jesus' authority to, quite frankly, do whatever he wants to do. So what does this have to do with us I want to give us three things. The first is may we look at the pharisees as a warning and not add to God's word even in an attempt to do good. Guys, it is so easy for us to elevate our preferences, our traditions to elevate the way things have always been done to as authoritative as the commands of God's word. That's what the Pharisees had done. That's what the Pharisees had done. May we not do that. We don't elevate our preferences and our traditions. Now there are things in God's word that are binding. We don't take away from God's word either, but we also don't add from it. Don't add from it. The second thing is, do not be so focused on the little things that you miss the most important thing. See, this is the problem with the Pharisees. And this is the reality. That God is most concerned with your heart. God is more concerned with your heart than your performance. He desires mercy and not sacrifice. That's what he tells the Pharisees. If you'd have known it, you would have known that God desires mercy and not sacrifice. What is that? That God desires a heart that is fully given over to him. That a a heart that is merciful to other people. A heart that's in tune with the spirit of God. A heart that loves him. God desires that more than he desires your religious performances. Jesus is angered at these Pharisees. And what angers them? It's not their words. It's not their performances. It's the hardness of their heart. And we cannot, Be like a Pharisee and think that our religious practices and our religious observances are enough to earn God's favor. God is most concerned with the state of your heart. Now, remember, you can fool a lot of people, but Jesus sees your heart. Your heart. What's the desires of your heart? What's the affections of your heart? Are they God and God's glory, his kingdom, his renown, to do good, to love him? Or is it to elevate yourself? And then thirdly, what does this have to do with us? May we worship Jesus as the fulfillment of the Sabbath and rest. See, this is the intention of the Sabbath from the very beginning. The intention of the Sabbath from the very beginning is just stop. Take a moment, stop from your work and look at what's been done. So what God did. He stopped. Not because he had to. Because he wanted to. Because what had been accomplished was good. And he was content. And he rested. And now here we are. And the Lord of the Sabbath has come. The fulfillment of the Sabbath has come. And the work has been accomplished. And all we have to do. Worship Jesus and rest. Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. When you come to Jesus in faith, you no longer have to work. You can rest in the work that Jesus has done for you. That Jesus has done on your behalf. So, let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, put all this together. There is a Sabbath rest. May we strive to enter that rest through Jesus, through his word, because he is the authority, knowing that he sees our hearts. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Since then, we have a great high priest, greater than Ahimelech, greater than Abathar. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us draw, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy because he desires mercy and not sacrifice and find grace to help in the time of need. What do we learn about Jesus in the Sabbath day? We learn that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is the greater David. He is the greater high priest. And the Sabbath rest finds its fulfillment only in his righteousness. And now by faith, by grace, because of God's mercy, We can enter that rest if we hold fast to that confession. Father, thank you that you love us. You are gracious to us. You are good to us. And your graciousness and your goodness has been made manifest and evident in your son, Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath, the great high priest, the greater David. God, how good it is to know that in Jesus we find fulfillment, we find a fullness of joy, and the Sabbath rest is completed as we can cease from our strivings and rest in your goodness and your grace, your mercy and your righteousness. Father, may we not be like the Pharisees. God, help us not to have hard hearts. Help us not to elevate our own preferences and traditions, but help us hold fast to your word, sharper than any double-edged sword, as it lays bare our hearts before you. That's a terrifying thing because our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are evil. But for the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ that comes through faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.